Well, as I said, we're going to talk about this idea as we talked the last couple of weeks about Jesus being Lord over death. The first week uh, in our Easter message and Jesus being Lord over, um, what was last week? It just went out of my mind. Sickness. Yes, I almost said that first, and then I thought, I've got to reverse them. We're going to continue and talk about Jesus being Lord over sin. Well, I thought it would be helpful, as we often do, to start with a definition. Now, I might reframe this a little bit, but the Oxford Dictionary definition of sin says this. An immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. You think, ooh, yeah, that that does sound kind of heavy. Well, what I hope to defined for us because we all probably have ideas about what this means and and we probably understand this idea that jesus is lord over sin we say yeah we know he he died for our sins he he paid the penalty uh, so that we could go to heaven we we sort of understand it in that context well what i want to help reframe for you this morning and and again not to diminish those truths but to say maybe there's a little more to it when we think about this idea of, of transgressing a divine law, well, we also need to understand, well, what is divine law? Because for some of us, we might think, oh, well, that's, that's the Ten Commandments, or that's the, the list of rules that good Christians are supposed to follow. And so when I sin, it's simply that I, when I mess up and I, I sort of break the code or do something that Jesus said, thou shalt not. And as I thought about this and prayed about this and studied, it kept coming back to me. You know that old Christmas song, O Holy Night? His law is love, and his gospel is peace. I would propose to you this morning that Jesus' law is love. Now, why is that important? Because as I've thought about this and been shaped around these ideas... When you think about doing something that we might call sin, the, the, if we were to drill into the, the root and the definition of the word, it's not so much about the act of doing something that's against the rules. It actually has to do with choosing to break this relationship that we've been talking about, this intimate communion with our Father. And so sin is not so much about I went against the moral code, but as I chose to do something that's outside of who God has designed me to be, and it, and it actually uh, is putting a, 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 it breaks the relationship. It, it goes against the relationship. It doesn't break the relationship in that the relationship is over, but it goes against the relationship because we know God is... He is the perfect example. He is holy and perfect, and and sin doesn't exist. Like, he is perfection. And so when we choose to do something that goes outside of that, and and let me back up and say it this way. How many of us, when we do something uh, wrong or make a bad choice or fly off the handle in anger or whatever your particular thing is, because we all have something, if we were honest, do our thoughts go to, oh, I've got I've to ask forgiveness because now God's mad at me. I, I, I've messed up. And, and we do think, and even as I started to say it that way, like in our mind we think, I've, I've messed up that relationship. Like God, God can't look at me the same now. 
I'm, I'm, I'm stained, I'm messed up, I'm broken. And, and what I'm trying to propose to you is that the focus is not on the action. It's on the relationship. And so when we talk about this idea as we're defining things of Jesus being Lord over sin, what Jesus accomplished and invites us into is the ability to have that relationship restored. It's, and it does go beyond that. We're going to talk about grace in a few minutes and, and how that enables us to, to uh, move towards sinning less. Jesus is the perfect sinless example, so as believers, we should be progressing towards sinning less. We should be doing those things less often. But the idea is not about keeping the list of rules. It's not about checking all the boxes so I can say, well, God loves me pretty good this week because I didn't, I didn't mess up that much. God is crazy about you no matter what you've done this week. And when we don't have that experience, when we don't feel that love, sin is often the thing that, that is, is causing those feelings, but God has never turned away. See, but what we've done is we've stepped outside of our design, we've stepped outside of his intention, and we've entered into things that, that have consequences, but God has never turned his back. He is there ready and willing to repair everything that is broken. I want to read a few passages with you together to uh, help us understand this idea. Let's first start in Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to start in verse 34 and just go a little ways. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, meaning Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, being an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Going on in verse 37, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Before I make any comment, let's jump right over to Romans 13. And we're going to read a couple of verses starting with verse 8. Romans 13. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, many of the things we just referred to, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and all other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor. As yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. We think back to the story that we began exploring on Easter weekend of Jesus' sacrifice and coming to pay that penalty, to sacrifice himself on the cross. And one of the things that we read in that story is that Jesus came to fulfill the law. 
So when we think of the law as those lists of things to do, those thou shalts and thou shalt nots, if you will, because that was the old system, right? The religious law was a system with which to relate to God. By keeping rules, you could sort of be in better keeping with God. And Jesus came not to abolish and delete all of the principles that he'd laid out prior to that, but to fulfill the requirements of the law so that we could know him. So that we could enter into, in this new covenant, the law of love. We could enter into his presence. We could have that thing that we've been describing of an intimate communion relationship with Jesus that is very very real and is available every moment of every day as close as the whisper of his name Jesus is there and he's available and because of what Jesus did in that story in that time we can have that that's what was made available to us and so we can now relate to the idea of sin in the context of relationship. That yes, we all make choices at times that might make us feel like, I'm not sure you're really there, God. I, 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 I have doubts. And you know, friends, it's, it's, it's okay to have some doubts. It's, it's really, it's okay to have some doubts. But we need to believe the truth of what Jesus says over and above the way that we feel. And so if you're not feeling particularly saved and close to Jesus on any particular day, it might be because of some of the choices you've made, but it's never because he has turned his back. It's never because he's withdrawn his presence and no longer wants to be close to you. As a matter of fact, he's inviting you to come back. If you don't feel close, he's saying, but I'm still here. Come close to me. I'm right here. I'll, I'll help you. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm here for you. Let's flip over to Matthew chapter 8 and look at one more quick story. Matthew chapter 8, starting in the second verse, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus, if you are willing, he says, you can heal me and make me clean. We talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about sickness and healing, that it becomes clear that that the Lord is willing. It is the Lord's will. We don't have to wonder it doesn't mean we always know the exact right timing, the path, the tools. The, in other words, we don't have some magic wand that we can wave and say now everyone is healed in the now because we understand that tension. You talked about it, the now and the not yet. But we don't have to wonder if it's the Lord's will. The same is true with whatever you're dealing with and struggling with in the area of sin. Wherever you feel like, I I feel guilty about this. I feel condemned. I feel like it's hard for me to get close to God. Well, what I'm trying to emphasize to you this morning, friends, is that when you feel that way and when those things happen, it's never because God is unwilling to come close to you. It's never because you've messed up to the point that, nope, now you've crossed the line. I, I I can't be with you anymore. 
No, Jesus is willing to come close. Even in the and don't get it mixed up. It's not if you say I'm sorry and try to turn around. No, it can be right in the midst of it. It can be right in the midst of of whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with. You hear me say this phrase all the time, but I, I really believe it's true. Jesus isn't afraid of your mess. Jesus doesn't need you to clean yourself up so you can be with him. Jesus says, come to me just as you are. Are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you worn out? Are you confused? Are you beaten down by the circumstances of this life? Do you not even know what to say, what to do, where to go? Jesus says, just come to me. Come to me. Accept my invitation. Come into my presence so that just as we saw in this story of the man needing healing from leprosy, Jesus says, so that I can begin to heal you, so that I can begin to correct those things that have gone wrong. Not, it, now, Bible does say that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, so sometimes he might tell us something that we don't like. He might tell us, you know, hey, you know, I love you, child, but you, you need to go a different way in this area. But he's also going to come and heal those places where we've been hurt because of other people's choices, where we've had trouble letting go, where we've had trouble forgiving someone who's done us wrong, where we've been hurt, stepped on, lied about, whatever it is. Jesus is willing to come in and to help heal those things and see you through. The other thing that's important to understand is that in the Old Testament system, as I said, the, the, the laws, the religious law, was sort of seen as a way to get to the Father by proxy. In other words, in the Old Testament system, you couldn't have that same level of intimate relationship where we talk about Jesus actually living in your heart and being, being that, that near. The way to relate to the Father was through the laws, through religious practices, and through the high priest who acted as sort of an intermediary between you and his holy presence but we learned one of the things that was accomplished in jesus when he said uh to people who were questioning him jesus says if you've seen me you've seen the father see jesus came and opened up that door when the veil was torn that presence of god became available to us and jesus is the way to the father we might think sometimes of jesus as just you know he's that he's that good story guy you know he he was the character that god used to come like play out this little story down here on the earth and and you know last week i emphasized a lot about jesus's humanity that he lived his life you know in a way to show us what's possible but i made mention of the fact that we can't diminish jesus's divinity he was still god he was and is the only way to the father and so if you want to know what god is like then you just need to meet Jesus because he is the perfect representation of the Father. I want to go to one more passage, and this is off script, Joseph, so you won't have this. But if you would flip with me to the book of Romans... Some pages are sticking together. Flip with me to Romans... 
chapter 8. I want us to talk about one more thing because this often comes up. Sorry, let's jump back to chapter 6, Romans chapter 6. I'm just going to read the first few verses. Well then, sort of in light of this message of grace, in light of the fact that Jesus has come and dealt with all things and empowered us and is always willing to forgive, I'm just sort of paraphrasing here. Does that mean that we should now keep on sinning so that God can continue to show us grace? In other words, if the fact is when we mess up, God's there to to help us and forgive us, and that is true. If that's true, then, then why worry about the choices that we make? Why worry about what we do and how we live? Why not just go and sort of do as we please and, if you will, slap a label on it and say, well, yeah, but there's there's grace for that. God, God will forgive me. And, and it is absolutely true, friends. No matter what you do, God has forgiven you. That forgiveness is available. It can be applied. So that there's no way that you can do something that that won't apply. But we can't take that. I, I, let me phrase it this way. I've often heard it said, well, if you preach too much grace and you're just giving people a license to live in sin, they say there, there's so much grace, there's so much forgiveness, and there's no need, uh, to use a churchy word, somebody would say, there's, then there's no need for holiness. Holiness is just being set apart, behaving differently than the rest of the world. And so what we read here is, no, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism... We joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. The final thought that I want to sort of leave you with in the message time this morning is that this grace, this forgiveness that is universal, that is available to all, regardless of what you've done, where you've come from, what's in your past, what's in your present, uh, regardless of all of that, it's available. But it's also an empowerment to no longer live that way. See, when we step outside of our design and make those choices and, and live in a way that prevents us from experiencing the fullness of the relationship that God has for us. The other thing that Jesus is Lord over is he's Lord over sin and that he will give you the grace and the power to begin to actually make those choices, to begin to actually pursue his ways, to not feel bound and drawn. Now, friends, trust me, this is a progressive work. This is not always a light switch moment where uh, I sign up and Jesus come be my Lord and then I know actually you're probably going to feel more temptation because if you're not living for God then uh, what need does the devil have to try to tempt you away what need does he have to deceive you if you're not in the truth you're already in darkness you're already condemned but when you come into the light when you accept Jesus, and when you begin pursuing this intimate relationship, 
Part of what's available to you is the ability to no longer be captive, to no longer be slave to those sinful desires. Now, like I said, it doesn't mean that they're all going to leave and you're never going to feel them again. But in Jesus, in the grace that he gives and in the finished work of the cross, there is the power to be able to overcome those things. There is the power to be able to live a life where more and more each day you experience that intimate relationship with Jesus that is more real than the things that are tugging on your heart and on your flesh, saying, come over here, try this, do this. Don't worry about your anger. That, that's, that's justified. They did do you wrong. And Jesus is there saying, I have the ability, I have the grace to give you to be able to rise above those things to be able to walk a kingdom lifestyle less and less affected by the stain and disease and desires of sin. So as we think about this this morning, as, as you just read, what we're getting ready to participate in is the perfect example because we do baptism as a symbolic act to publicly declare Jesus is Lord. The, uh, we had T-shirts made up, which they, they I don't know if they're going to wear them now, but I've given them to them. And they simply say, I have decided to follow Jesus. That, that's what we're, we're illustrating this morning in celebrating baptism is, is that these folks want to make a public declaration. There's nothing magic in these waters. As a matter of fact, there's still a couple of soap bubbles. Um, That's not because we thought y'all were dirty. (laughs) But they're publicly saying, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to turn away from the world. Doesn't mean I'm going to go out of the world, right? Like, but but I'm going to live the Jesus way. I'm going to live the Jesus way, and I'm going to invite him to be my Lord. And again, that doesn't mean that suddenly they have no personality and no personal choice. No, I think the most exciting thing about living life with Jesus is, you know, he knows the personality that he gave us because he created us. And he actually wants to work with that. And the way that you're made and the way that you're wired is designed perfectly to show Jesus to the world with your unique flavor. I love the way when we talk about this idea of of being the salt of the earth, and we know we might know that scripture. I love the way the message version says that. It says, we're the salt bringing out the God flavors all around us. Like we're that seasoning. And, and as I've told you so many times, it's not our job to go and, and condemn the world, right? No, those that are outside of Jesus are condemned already. They don't need our condemnation. They don't need our judgment. But we need to bring the God flavors into the world so that people can see the Jesus way. They can see the possibility that there is a way to live that's different than the way of the world. And so I'm just excited to have this demonstration, this declaration of following Jesus in a fresh new way of declaring that Jesus is Lord. And so um,
Yeah, let's do that real quick as we wrap up. Jesus, would you just come this morning? Would you begin to move on our hearts, Father? Most of us here probably are your followers. And we need to be reminded once again what is available to us. What you've made available because of your son, because of the work at the cross. And as we celebrate today, Father, may we be reminded. And perhaps if we're here today and we've not made that declaration, would you speak to hearts? Would you begin to draw people to yourself? Would you show us what's possible walking the Jesus way? We love you. Excuse me. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Amen. Amen.